Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Beyond surreal. You know, you, I grew up in, in Menlo Park, and, you know, you aspire to one day be a San Francisco giant, and I was able to do that and then go across the bay and manage the bay, the, the A's for 10-plus years and, and then have the opportunity to manage the giants. I mean, that's not something you even dream about. So um, surreal is probably minimizing the feeling but it's probably the only word I can come up with. You're tuned into KNBR tonight with former giant FP Santangelo. Listen to us here and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are KNBR 104.5 and 680. The Sports Leader. All right, my first guest tonight is here. He's there. He's every freaking where. Carlos Ramirez. Carlos Ramirez. He covers the Giants, the Niners. He's broadcasting all over, doing football games and soccer games, and he's nice enough to join us to now. Uh, what's going on, Carlos? How are you to now? <laughs> what's going on? How are you? Uh, I'm not. I'm not in Ted Lasso, but thank you, thank you. I'm not Roy Kent. Oh, uh, I was thinking about being. Roy, I was thinking about being Roy Kent for this party I'm going to Saturday night, and then I was for him. Halloween? I was him a couple years ago, so I didn't want to go rewind. I dyed my hair black. I dyed my beard super black. I went with the bushy eyebrows. I had a leather jacket, black shirt on, jeans, boots, and I carried a soccer ball around the party. And people were freaking out, dude, because I, I honestly pulled it off. Like, it was like a 9 out of 10 twin brother thing. So so did you use a British accent, though? No, just a lot of F-bombs all night. Like, I was just okay. like a lot yeah. of F-bombs everywhere. I was grouchy. I was in character. Yeah, I was in character all night. Well, you freaking with that horse. But yeah, that works. I can see it. I had I a friend uh, actually who who knows uh, Brett Goldstein, and he called me on my birthday like three years ago. And he goes, Oi. Happy- he goes, Oi, F-P. Oi. He goes, Happy effing birthday. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> this is really you. I was like a fanboy. This is so cool. It was great. Yeah. Uh, so happy birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, buddy. Thanks, dude. Uh, it's been a, it's, it was a fun weekend in LA and then back to the city and back to work. And. Uh, been watching your work. You're doing a great job. You guys did a, a fantastic job covering the press conference yesterday. And what are your thoughts? I mean, we might as well just start right there with uh, Bob Melvin, the new hire. What are you thinking about this? Well, first of all, thank you, and uh, you're you're very kind. Uh, it, it's it's just a different vibe. Um, Gabe Kapler has his his groove and his way of doing things and his way of communicate. Uh, with people and players and, and so on and so forth. I, I, this, to me, is a, is a very different vibe. It's, it's much more Bochi-like, much more uh, uh, traditional in, in the way to approach things. And uh, honestly, I, I feel a, a, a comfort level with with the expectations, with him being here. It, it's a local guy, local ties. We all have a story, but uh, there's a very calm sense of hope i would say sometimes when you get a new manager or a new piece in a team fp there tends to be a lot of hype and a lot of over excitement and you know pomp and circumstance and fireworks and and, and all of a sudden uh, there's there's this magic i think with bowmel is different it, it, it's a very calm uh like homecoming demeanor 
everyone's expecting respect and, and uh, accountability and, and a different vibe. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it, it's very soothing. It's very heartwarming what I see and sense from from Melvin coming back home. It, it feels like it feels like homecoming. Um, and, and I think this team needs that. I think this team needs familiarity, accountability, um, an adult in the room, someone who has been there and done it for over two decades with proven success, with a track record, especially with a team that is so young, that is going into a, a blooming stage of talent with Luciano and Matos and Harrison and, and Meckler and, and Bailey and, and, and Schmidt and Fitzgerald and the list is long, and, and this guy knows how to do it. He did it. There's a track record with the A's. So he's done it before. And, and I think the biggest thing, FP, is what he can bring to the table as a recruiter. This guy has coached and managed uh, Asian players. He, he talked about it in the press conference. He knows how to win with small market teams. He knows how to win with big market teams. He did it with, with Padres. He almost made the World Series a couple of years ago. Uh, he has managed big players like Ichiro. He has managed small clubs like the A's, and he has been successful with all of them. So uh, I'm really excited to get to work with him, cover him, and he, yeah, that, that's my overall sense. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby, Abby, Scabby, the whole school yeah, just I hurt me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created this show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Very well said. Talking to Carlos Ramirez. He covers the Giants and the Niners for NBC Sports Bay Area. So Bob Melvin is comfort food. He's macaroni and cheese. He's chicken noodle soup. Well, that's the way to put it. I mean, yeah, he, 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 is, he is your mom's chicken soup when you don't feel quite right. When you don't, like, something's missing and you want to feel like you're home and, and something comforting, like, like a nice warm blanket on a, on a winter night. Uh, that will get you warm and fuzzy, and and, and that's how I that's how I see it. Like I I, I was missing, and all the respect I, again. I, I know Gabe Kapler knows a lot about baseball, and I hope he gets another job. And he he was really great to me the years I got to cover him. But to me, there was something missing. There's some sort of traditional, uh, more you know human approach to to the way he addressed certain topics. Uh, I don't know. I, I just and, and I would see other managers and think, well, yeah, there it is. That's that's even. I mean, even when when the, when the Padres came here, you would hear Melvin and you say, yeah, that that that's that's how he sounds. That's like that's like a manager should sound like. And and Bochi and you're seeing baseball now, uh, FB going in that direction. You're seeing Bochi being successful in Texas and Rob Thompson with the Phillies and Terry Lovillo with with the d back and he, he is of that cloth of of managing baseball teams and 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 i think bowmel fits exactly what the giants needed plus he's home he's from here then that adds to the equation if he wasn't from here i would say the same but now the fact that he is from here and knows the market and knows and you know what fp the other thing is i i think the giants needed someone to remind them what the culture of the giants is what, what being a giant means to the city, to the market, to the fan base, and to the players. And, and Bob Melvin understands that because he played here, he was from here, 
He was managed uh, by the hum baby himself, by Roger Craig. So I think it's a perfect situation for both the club and Bob Melvin. Yeah, well said again, Carlos. There was something missing, and, and you, you never want to go backwards. You never take shots because that's not professional. Right, but but no, there, I was right, on right. the East Coast for 11 years, and I came back and just fly on the wall and trying to get my feet back on the ground in Northern California doing the radio show and covering the Giants. And I'm like, wow, the game has really changed. And, and, and are Giants fans okay with this this way? And uh, everybody in 22 told me, well, they won 107 games last year. Everybody bought in. The players bought in. Everybody bought in. And I was like, okay. Meanwhile, I'm sitting over here going, if this is the way baseball is trending, I'm, I don't know if I like it. And I don't know if I would want to, like, play half a game and then another guy plays a half a game. And then when it didn't work, I feel like – and and what you're talking to – it, it, the the points you're talking to about like yeah it just didn't have a real it had more of an ai f- a feel to it than like a baseball feel yeah. it was very ster- yeah. it was sterile yet yet accommodating but sterile but i, I just it was different and it, and now i'm glad that there's going to be recognizable names on the coaching staff and and, and carlos having done it like it, it meant so much to me to wear that uniform like more than any other uniform i put on growing up in this area and I tell the story all the time where I'd look down at my jersey in center field and be like, I used to sit there with my buddies in high school, and I'm standing here. And I would play catch between innings to get loose with Barry Bonds. And I'm like, I'm playing catch with Barry Bonds. I mean, it was surreal to me. But, like, I think that's what this organization is getting back to. And there's too many smart people down there in the corner of 3rd and King that know this, right, for this to let to get too far away and that changes had to be made. And they, they took the bull by the horns. But, like, you want to – you want a manager that knows what it means to wear the orange and black, and you want players that want to be giants first and foremost. Like, you want to be a giant. Like, I need to ask you and look you in the eye. Do you want to be a giant or you just want the five-year deal? Like, what, like what is it? Because I don't, I don't necessarily want the guy that wants the five-year deal. I want a guy that wants yeah. to be the giant, to be a giant, but they're going to have to overpay, and we'll see what happens. Talking to Carlos Ramirez. The, the, the Greg Johnson quote, I've been talking about it earlier today. And my take is that the owners buy teams as an investment. And very rarely do they make money in a single season. If they do break even, it's a good year for them. But you buy it for $300 million, you sell it for $8 billion, And you're betting on the investment in the stock that you bought uh, appreciating. And then you cash in whenever you decide to cash in. So knowing this and being around baseball and owners the majority of my life, I, I could see where Giants fans were like, woof. But then knowing what I know about how the inner workings of ownership goes with any pro sports franchise, I didn't think it was that big a deal at all. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, I think sometimes fans get engaged in, in those sort of quotes. And, and I understand when someone, you know, uh, hears someone with a lot of money complaining about money, yep. it, it, might, it might sound like unsensitive or falling on deaf ears. I get that, uh, but it is a business at the end of the day, and some some owners uh, care more about their teams than others. Uh, I, I think uh, Johnson cares deeply about the Giants and, and what's best for the team and and to invest and make money with it because, again, it, it's not a charity. It, it's a business. Every, every professional sports team in the world is a business, whether it's privately owned or uh, a different scheme like the Green Bay Packers or it's a, a society like clubs in, in Europe like Barcelona or Real Madrid who don't have a, a private owner. It's, it's associate the, the club has so, uh, associates and, and members who run the club and have elections and vote on the president of the club. Um, they're still businesses and they still have to be lucrative and productive. And, and that's the bottom line. So I think one thing ties to the other. And 
I believe the Bob Melvin era with that local feel to it, with that, you know, uh, rebirth of the Giants brand to it and, and Buster being involved also in the process of, of getting Boach, uh, not Boach, of getting Bob Melvin here. And, and again, the rebranding of the Giants to what they once were, but in a 2.0 version of it with, with younger players, homegrown. And I mean, that's how the Giants made their business and, and were successful and had a dynasty with, with Bochi is with homegrown players that were, you know, uh, complemented by great signings and trades and, and players who came to this market to be complementary pieces, huge ones like Hunter Pence and Gregor Blanco, for instance, or Barry Zito at the time, but, but it was mainly by homegrown talent and we all know who they were. So uh, I think one thing ties to the other. And, and what is true is that the Giants did suffer this year FP from the attendance. The numbers went down. And I think that has a lot to do with, uh, with the article that came out later in the year uh, about being a, a boring brand of baseball and, and fans not identifying with what they were seeing on the field and not feeling engaged with the product. And, and I hope, I believe that will change. With, with the homegrown talent, with the players, local players, and again, one of us, one of the Bay Area's finest coming back home to, you know, steer the change uh, for the Giants, hopefully that changes and also the numbers will also go up because it, it is a business, like you will say. How many times did you want to do the post-game show and go, Jesus, I got to talk about this crap tonight? Like, ugh. <laughs> Maybe like first segment, A Block is just like, Wait, uh, welcome to Giants post-game live. You really want me to break down that crap? Uh, well, <laughs> well, uh, well, our our you know this business well. Our, our business is we try to find not just silver linings, but to me, it's the toughest sport to do pre and post games about, but also the the the, the most demanding because it, it it's a daily grind and you have to find different ways. But I find the beauty in it and, and the challenge of it is we always come, and we have a great team here at NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, led by John Giacomo and Dave Bernstein and Justin Hathaway and our producer, David Tedlow. We always Quit kissing their ass. Jeez. No, go, it's, it's come the truth. On. Come on. They, they the are, those guys are great, by the way, but come on. It's the truth. Yeah, all right. Uh, but, but we always come up with ways to be creative uh, on saying whether the same thing's good or bad. I mean, at, at some point, how, how, how many times or how many different ways can you say that Logan Webb is great? or that Patrick Bailey is a gold glove caliber catcher, or that Tyra Estrada is a great second baseman. Same, same when things, you know, don't go as well. But, but you know what? I always think that someone may have a tougher challenge or, or a bigger challenge in front of them. And I see other teams that have, like, I mean, the Giants were in it up until the very end. Like, I, I've seen teams, one of which is not that far away, who, you know, they know they have no shot from day one, and have so many bad narratives to navigate throughout 162, that's not – I mean, that, that is a tough one. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, I, I love covering the Giants. I, I love having to find creative ways to saying different things uh, or the same thing in different ways, again, whether good or bad. But, but yeah, I, I love it, to be honest. Um, and, you know, and you know what? And you know what? And, you know what and fans are not dumb. I mean, so I've, I've lived so, here for some are, years. some are like well, you do a night radio show every day. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, and no, baseball, I'm kidding. I love my callers and listeners. You guys I are know. the best. I, I'm, I'm not I, I, every once in a while, though, I have to joke a little and, bit with them. But yeah, but you know what? And, and, and the beautiful thing about it, this market is 
fans, and I've learned this from living here for five years, fans don't like homers. They, if, if the team is not good, they expect you to say it in a respectful manner, in an educated and well-argumented manner, with data and with stats and with passion and enthusiasm. But if they're good, also, you know, don't be a cheerleader. Don't be, don't be a fanboy. And this, this fan base, I love working for it because if the team sucks, whatever team that is, if it's not good, you have to say it. Again, you don't have to get personal. You will never do that. And this team, the Giants, for the, for the latter part of the season, were not a good baseball team. That's why they fired the manager. That's why there's a new manager in town and Bob Melvin. And that's where there's going to be changes. So, um, yeah. Dude, I was the biggest homer in the history of broadcasting in D.C. for 11 years. That's probably why I have a night radio show in San Francisco now. But I, I always just like I have one rule. Remember how hard it is. And, and I think yeah. the, the way you stay with an organization for a long time is not ripping the players. But you do it in a professional way when, it's, when, when they leave you no other choice. Like when they leave you no other choice but to be critical, you have to be your, your credibility's at stake. So if a guy's not hustling to first base or he's not doing something and he keeps doing it over and over again, you have to call them out eventually. And if there's bad base running, you have to call them out. But you just don't look for it, though, and you don't sit there right, and rip it. Right, right. It's different when you travel with a team and you're not in a studio and you got to look them in the eye every single day and you got to walk down the aisle of the plane and you know their parents, you know their aunts, their uncles, their wives, their kids. It's a little different scenario when you're working with them every day. Talking to Carlos Ramirez. Yeah, but, Car- go ahead. No, go ahead. No, but, but, but you know what? Something, and that's a great point, F.B., and, and something I've always done and, and I've always taken pride in that is, I will never, and that, and if someone's listening and wants to go into this beautiful business, I will never, you should never say something about anyone, uh, player, manager, front office, don't say anything to a camera that you wouldn't tell them to their face. Like if, if you don't have the courage or the integrity or the stones for that matter to say something about anyone, and that also applies to social media, you know, if you're going to criticize someone or say something about someone, if, if, you fi- if you encounter that person in person and you don't have the you-know-whats to tell that same thing to their face with respect and take whatever might come back, whatever words might come back of that person's mouth, don't say it. And so far, I've never, ever encountered a player, a GM, or a manager, or a coach that said, you know what, you, you were, you're being – rude or you were just mean or something because you why would i be they're they're people they're professionals and they're trying their hardest to do their best what's up folks anthony armstrong here bob pop along with super bowl champion carl banks hey nfl fans this is solomon wilcox former nfl safety and host of the believe in Bengals podcast catch my show and all 32 believe nfl podcasts listen in to former players give their inside perspective on your favorite team search believe that's b-l-e-a-v on apple spotify and wherever you get your podcast it's always football season wherever you listen you jinxed it. You just jinxed it. It's going to happen next year for sure now that you just said never, ever have I ever. Carlos Ramirez, we've been talking for 20 minutes, buddy. We need to catch up. We talk about this all the time. Let's grab a beer. Let's catch up. We never do. So I don't know, like, how often you're in town now. You do the Niners stuff. But if you're around, text me, man. Let's go out. You know what? Let's, let's do it. I want to talk about two players I'm obsessed about, and I daydream, FP, of seeing with the orange and black next season. Who is it? One is Yoshinobu Yamamoto, the right-handed pitcher from Japan. He is Wait, say electric. It, say it again. Say it again. Y- Yoshinobu Yamamoto. That's beautiful, bro. This is so then, well said. 
a, a right-handed pitcher from Japan, 25 years old. He's got a filthy fastball, a disgusting slider, and a Johan Santana right-handed changeup. Santana was a lefty, but the changeup is just marvelous. You got to see. I mean, if you haven't seen him, look him up. That's one. All right. And then the other guy I want to see is Jung Ho Lee. He is the Korean Player of the Year in the KBO. His nickname is the grandson of the win. His dad played baseball professionally. He debuted FP in the KBO at 18 years old in 2017. He hit 324. He has never hit under 318. But that's ever. like, I mean, no disrespect, but that's like A ball over there. Like, fine, but you still got to hit 340. You all right. Still hit it. All right. I'm, a, I'm in. Hey, if he helps him win games, let's go, baby. I'm in. Jung Ho Lee and Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Look him up. What Carlos said. Yes, absolutely. I'm in. in Anything that makes this club better, Carlos, and anything that makes this show better, I'm in. And tonight, you absolutely made this show better. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you for a kind word, brother. And let's get that beer pronto, all right? Yeah, and quit kissing ass. You don't need to. You're really good. Just keep just keep exactly. doing what you're doing. <laughs> uh, I, I learned from the best, FB. Yeah, that, that's the FB. That is, this mean, is people. I, yeah, this is people in glass houses throwing stones thank for you, sure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Carlos, take care, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, brother. He's the best. Carlos Ramirez is uh, just doing a great job on NBC Sports. Bay Area. On the other side of the break, I want to get back into the Buster Posey thing. I also want to change topics a little bit and talk about Kruk and Kipe for the Ford C. Frick Award. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that don't know what that is. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that do know what that is. But they, the nominees for Ford C. Frick, that's the equivalent to getting into the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster came out yesterday. And three Bay Area guys were in there. We're going to talk about that next on the Sports Leader. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I was in, like, in a company, and I don't know, like, how marketing, sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah, and... Like Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. To that... Remind me not to quote any hip-hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. When you first said it, I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.